You are listening to the Mom Halo Podcast. This sweet ear candy will serve up laughs and aha moments as we talk to best-in-class thought leaders. These folks are dropping gems of genius. I'm Melana Kapitz, CEO and founder of the Mom Halo community. I'm a fun, fearless, freckled mom with three wild kiddos. I love to introduce you to ideas and people that will rock your world all while laughing out loud because that is the only way to get through the daily grind of parenthood. Plug in your earphones and let's get to them. Is listening to this kick-ass podcast the only time you get to yourself each week? Self-care is a daily need, so you can truly show up as your best self. Asking for a hand with endless to-do lists is part of that. When you sign up with Phoenix Pre-Worn, you get a curated zero-waste wardrobe of your child's favorite things every season. Everything matches and fits perfectly, so your child feels confident, comfortable, and ready to take on the day. Imagine setting your preferences and ending the hassle of returns, storage, and wondering what to put on in the morning. Visit www.phoenixpreworn to place your order and get an instant consultation to make getting dressed effortless each day. Listeners get 20% off with promo code HelloHalo until August 31st, and 10% of all proceeds will go back to Project Halo. Phoenix Preworn. It's kids' clothing done for good. Well, hello, good morning, and welcome to the Mom Halo podcast. I'm your host, Alana Kafitz, and I'm super excited because we have a a star, as far as I'm concerned, in my um, in our cast today. I'd like to introduce you to Libby. Um, you might know her as the Diary of the Honest Mom on Instagram. She's a digital creator, and she's all about making relatable motherhood content. So, Libby, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Libby. I like love your content. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. So, tell us who you are, where you're from, and what you do. Just take us through, please. Okay, so I am Libby. I'm from a small town in southern Ontario. And what I do is create content on TikTok and Instagram and my blog now that is relatable for moms, but also opens the door to have hard conversations about things like how our childhood and our trauma plays into our parenthood, our mental health, taking care of ourselves, self-care, anti-perfectionism, anti-mom shaming, that sort of stuff. So I really try and make motherhood relatable while also thinking about and talking about the hard things that make motherhood even harder. Yeah, I love it. Tell us your tell us your journey. How, how did this all come to be? You're a mom of two. Um yeah. self-proclaimed recovering perfectionist, which I love. Um how did this journey all begin? Take us back if you don't mind. Right. So I have always been passionate about helping women, helping moms, talking about hard things, just never had a platform to do it. Before the pandemic, I was an educational assistant. So I worked with children who have special needs. And before that, like being raised, I was raised in a very unstable environment and came from a lot of trauma. So I had done a lot of self-help work and had done a lot of reading that sort of gave me the background knowledge for a lot of the content I create now. But in terms of content creation, it all started March 2020. So 
exactly two years ago. Basically, we were locked down and I had heard of TikTok like everyone else, but thought that it was mostly just teenagers dancing around in booty shorts. (laughs) And so I decided one day to join and see what it was all about and became addicted to the type of content that was created on there by other moms that was relatable and authentic and honest and talked about real things. And I loved it. So I started posting videos on TikTok, went viral pretty quickly and grew my platform on there. Didn't think that it was a job, didn't think that it could become a job, just wanted to connect with women and help moms feel like they weren't crazy and they weren't alone in this journey of motherhood. And then in the fall of 2020, I decided to start an Instagram account because there was all these rumors that TikTok was going to get shut down. So I was like, let's start an Instagram account just in case I don't want to lose my community. Um, And then early 2021, I thought, well, I'll post a little bit more. Long story short, I grew my platform to nearly like 200,000 followers on Instagram in like a year. Didn't realize that all the things I was talking about were things that people wanted to talk about, but just weren't being talked about. Um, and so here we are today and it is my job and I spend all day making content for moms and I love it. Can you imagine what a story, Libby, like what a crazy story. I mean, I, I started following you probably, you had 30,000 followers when I started following you. Yeah. So that would have been early 2021, like spring 2021. That's it. And then I just watch you grow every, like you have, I wouldn't even call it fast, like rapid growth. Like it is. It, I'm not sure if that's your goal, but if that's what's happening and now you're a full-time content creator and you just started, right? Many, many women have grown their, um, com- their, their, their social media influence and community on the back of, I would say like the early days of, of Instagram, which were really like mm-hmm. fitness influencers and people who were really like hardcore diet culture who sort of all moved away from that. And sort of this like new, new has come, right? What inspired you? Who, who was, who were you looking at? Who were you watching? that actually got you um, saying your truth? Was there somebody or some thing that inspired you outside of your own life? Was there an influencer that you love that you're like, oh yeah, I want to, not that you're emulating anybody, obviously you're totally original, but is there somebody that you were like, oh yeah, they're doing something cool. Like who was, came into your preview or like, yes, because you're also entertaining, right? You're not just, right. you're very right. funny. I mean, your, right. your physical humor is hilarious and your acrimon and timing is, is, proficient and you're not obviously formally trained in that. So is there somebody that ever like, oh yeah, that's like, who do you like and follow? I guess is my question. So fun fact, I didn't know what an influencer was even a year ago. Like even when I had like 30,000 followers, if someone was like, you were an influencer, I'd be like, what is that? So there was never really an influencer I followed, but I would say that Brene Brown, she's an author. She talks a lot about vulnerability and shame And she's like a social emotion researcher. She has inspired how I see the world. And people ask me all the time, how can you be so honest about hard things? How can you talk about your trauma so openly? How can you, you know, talk about all these like quiet things that no one else says? And I would say that she inspires me to talk about it because I know that from her that the antidote to shame is um, vulnerability and sharing our truth. So she is who inspires me to share my truth in such an honest and vulnerable way. But I mean, there's all kinds of people that inspire me all all the time. I wouldn't put it down to one person per se. And I really do straddle the line, like you said, between like, I'm funny, but I use my funny to then talk about hard things, right? Like things that we don't want to broach the topic of. So I don't even 
That question is so hard for me because I follow a lot of therapists that yeah. I love to follow, but then I follow hilarious people like Mammy Banter, Cat and Nat. Like I'm obsessed with Cat and Nat. I like. I'm always like, can I be your third person? Like Kat, Nat, and Libby, <laughs> they inspire me, right? Like I love how like honest they are about the hard things of motherhood. You know, juggling Jenkins, she has just been so honest about yeah. motherhood and her trauma and the stuff that she goes through, but she's funny too. Um, so I really, I look to, if, you know, thinking about influencers and people online, it would probably be Kat and Nat, juggling Jenkins, people like that, that I really look to. Um, and then on a deeper level, it's, you know, Brene Brown, Glennon Doyle, those people who, who really normalize sharing your truth so that other people can feel normal. Yeah. I think it's funny the Glennon, the Glennon Doyle, Brene Brown moment that I started sort of, you know, it's probably the last three or four years, similar to you is like, you know, for me, when I sort of experienced my most recent trauma, for me, I didn't have a lot of childhood trauma, but obviously becoming very medicalized, I have a very medicalized story with my little kiddo sort of becoming quite sick um, and having to live through sort of that sick kids moment and still living through it every day. Like that, like the concept of and my reprise has been, we can do hard things, right? That's yes. my language. That's where I come from. And that really resonates with me. And I just think you're so good, Libby, at, at sharing the story. Can you give us a little bit of the background? Do you ever really talk about what your trauma is? Is that something that you talk about publicly? Yeah. So I was raised by a single mom. Me and my brother were raised by a single mom. She had mental health and personality disorders, but they were undiagnosed. And in during that time, there wasn't really a lot of support for that. So our lives ended up being emotionally unstable, like within the household, it was very unpredictable. And then from year to year, you know, we moved most years, I've lived in everything from houses to apartments to friends, couches, shelters, all different places like that. So we really grew up in poverty and a narcissistic environment. And I was made to be very responsible for our household and for my mom and for different things at a very young age. Right. And so different men came in and out of our lives in the form of, you know, my mom's partners and they were abusive in different ways. So honestly, like every like year to year to year was so different and so unpredictable. And so I grew up very fast under those circumstances. Right. I understand. Okay. It's interesting to me because I find like, I love this idea of like being the cycle breaker. Um, let's lean into that piece of sort of who you are, because I do see that our generation of motherhood, and I'll call it sort of like the, I don't know, Gen X, millennial, Zenial, sort of, you know, as we're seeing, I'm, I'm like an older Zen, I'm like an older millennial now, but as I'm seeing sort of like younger, we're so hyper-focused on like, yes generally like I mean I'm talking about North American sort of like privilege culture is so hyper focused on parenting can you speak to that a bit Libby in your experience where you came yeah. from where going right so because I was raised in such an, um, an emotionally volatile home and with a narcissistic parent for me it created a lot of perfectionist tendencies people pleasing tendencies putting myself aside for back then my mom's emotions, but now for everybody else's emotions. And I spent a lot of my early adulthood just wanting to make everybody happy. And once I became a parent and then went to therapy, I realized that came from my childhood. And then realizing it came from my childhood, it made me think, what do I need to do to make sure that I don't pass down these traits to my kids? And that I, how do I create a home environment where they feel safe? 
communicating with me and they feel safe making mistakes and they feel safe talking about hard things or sharing that they disagree or sharing that they're going through something really hard at school and that they're not afraid of my reaction to those things. And, you know, because of my trauma, it makes me even more, and I talk about mom rage and irritability and overstimulated. I'm very prone to those things. And so I have to work that much harder to not overreact to little things. And I have to look at a situation and say, am I feeling this way because of what they're doing or because it's triggering something in me, either from my childhood or because I didn't sleep well last night or because of all these things. So I've had to do a lot of work to think about why I'm reacting certain ways to my kids and work to change that because it's so easy to just react in the ways we're feeling and not consider how is this actually affecting them? How is this going to affect their personality development, their character development? Am I raising kids who are going to be afraid of conflict, you know, afraid of saying something wrong or doing something wrong or making mistakes? Um, And so I really try and find the balance where I'm also not then becoming a perfectionist in parenting, right? Because I do think there's a lot of pressure to be that perfect parent too. Um, And so it's really a balance of trying not to be a perfect parent, but also focusing more of my energy on the emotional health of my kids and the kind of person I'm creating than doing everything perfectly. And a lot of that work comes from working on myself. I love it. I think it's so bloody relatable, Libby. So many women, I think, and birthing folk and and, and parents who obviously love and so drawn to you as a person and your content, I find in our sort of nano community of moms, our fans, followers, and friends, it's so relatable. All of those things, you know, putting yourself last, coming from, you know, either being married to or being raised by or understanding later in life. Oh, right. Like everyone in my life was a narcissist or had right. tendencies or women themselves all of a sudden be like, Oh my God, am I a narcissist? Right. Right. Really, really trying to, I think unpack who they are, where they're from and what they're about. And I, I really think it's almost, I want to say given, th- I like being a parent right now, right? Because we are I say, you know, building the next generation on the backs of the giants of the women who came before us, right? Whether or not it's like feminist discourse or parenting strategies. Our parents didn't have fucking parenting strategies. No, no. Spock, they didn't know fucking anything. Yeah. My mom, who's 77 and very involved in our community and loves like the, the mommy group and stuff like that. She's like, I don't, we had nothing like this. We didn't have community. We didn't understand there was more than one way to do things. Right. So when I think about those sorts of things, like how blessed are we right? We to sort of be this conduit between this, like very toxic, the completely not knowing, you know, children were seen and heard and like, worked right like that's what they did right yeah and so many of our parents generation you got to think about like humanity hasn't been around for that long but we are not so far off from people who like you know kiddos were were born to labor like you were literally were born into the world to work and, right. and profit or or for all sorts of things i come from a um uh a lineage of of, of i'm jewish and a lot of my folks in my family came from Russia and Ukraine and Poland and that sort of thing. Um, and, and the discourse of the immigrant story, right. And the Holocaust survivor stories, which yeah, I yeah. know, like talk about fucking capital T trauma. Like imagine now like grandkids yes. being raised by parents whose grandparents were Holocaust survivors and that sort of trauma. And also anyone who's a survivor of genocide of any nature or, you know, um, 
even what's happening, obviously, with very current events, which I don't even want to get into, but it's, it's fucking hard, man. So what do you right. think? And, and I think, you know, it's been survival mode for generations. Right. Great way of Generations and yeah. generations, women, parents, moms have been in survival mode and just trying to get from one day to the next, from one year to the next. And like you said, no tools, no resources, no support, nothing like that. Um, there wasn't this hyper awareness or education or even speak of difficulty. You know, you don't even talk about it you know, keep calm and carry on is the whole, you know, you just get to the next day. And so I think a lot of times we look back and it can be easy to blame our parents, but you know, that's the whole idea of it being generational. You know, it came from their parents, it came from their parents and each generation has had to face their own struggles. Like you said, whether it's genocide, whether it's war, whether it's the depression, whether it's, you know, all these different things they've had to face. And so, like you said, how lucky are we, how privileged are we to have that information, but also what a responsibility. And now a word from our mom, Halo podcast sponsor. Who needs superheroes when we have moms? Still dealing with leaky diapers? It's time to try Rascal and Friends. Designed with you and your little one in mind, Rascal and Friends Premium Diapers ticks all the boxes. Affordable, safe on sensitive skin, deliciously soft and super absorbent. Plus, their unique design provides up to 12 hours of leak production to keep your baby comfy and dry day and night. Join the thousands of parents making the switch and say goodbye to leaks. Shop Rascal and Friends Premium Diapers, Training Pants, and Sensitive Wipes at Walmart today. And I think a lot of parents put so much weight on themselves to make this big change. And, you know, we can't undo it all in one generation. So it's this idea of like, yes, we have the resources and the access and yes, we're going to try. But don't beat yourself up and don't expect yourself to change everything in one generation. And I, you know, thinking back to our parent generation, you think of the, the shame and the stigma. I posted last week about how, like, women 50 years ago, 60, 70 years ago, if they shared that they had mental health concerns, they would literally be locked up. Their yeah. children would be taken away. They would be locked in a mental institution and they would not have access to their children. Right. And so why would they share with their neighbors or their friends or their community that they were struggling? Of course they wouldn't because they love their children. So, you know, it wasn't that long ago. And even now there's still stigma, but it wasn't that long ago that there was such immense stigma that people wouldn't talk about it. So I think it's, you know, straddling this line of being grateful and appreciative of and using the tools we have to make change um, and to break that cycle, but also saying, okay, hold on. This has been centuries worth of trauma and I can't single-handedly fix all of it. So let's just like slow down and not put so much pressure on ourselves. I love that so much. Oh my God, Libby, there's so much there. I don't even know where to start. I think for me, what I, I love so much of what you said is like the, the mental health piece is so pervasive right now. And I, I truly believe I'm somebody who has talked about mental health for the first time publicly ever. And I've been on Instagram for like, you know, almost twice as long as you have, almost five years. Um, and, you know, a, a fraction of, of, of influence and followers. However, I do find that in my nano, nano community, I'm seeing so much more, um, I want to say, public declarations of anxiety, depression, um, 
people doing talk therapy or, or all sorts of different types of therapies. And I really do believe that maybe the elephant in the room or maybe sort of the silver lining of the global pandemic is maybe there has been sort of now this, this mental health crisis that people are mm-hmm. talking about mental health like they've never spoken about before. And even if those right. who didn't know that they were suffering or didn't know if they had, you know, and I'm going to say lowercase trauma, but childhood traumas that are informing some of the things that they're feeling right now, we're really feeling differently. What do you think about that, Libby? How do you think the pandemic has informed how people are feeling, approaching conversations around um, mental health, especially in mamahood? Well, first of all, I think the pandemic made us all look at our lives and think about what is working, what is not working, what do I want to keep, what do I want to get rid of? That includes relationships, mindsets, goals, all those things. And I also think because of the pandemic, and I I think about how TikTok has influenced both social media and mental health and how I believe it began with TikTok where people were really sharing vulnerably about their lives, telling stories, telling very honest, raw stories of this is what I'm going through. This is what my day looks like. This is what my trauma looked like. This is how I'm dealing with it. This is how I'm not dealing with it. And that really spilled over not only into Instagram, but into just, I think, generally our mindsets and our ability to share knowing as a whole, oh my goodness, it's not just me. I'm not the only one who's endured sexual abuse. I'm not the only one who uh, deals with postpartum rage. I'm not the only one that has postpartum anxiety. Okay. Well, now that I know that they're struggling now I can struggle. And so it's been this tidal wave that began with the pandemic, looking at our lives, social media, how that's changed, because I do believe that now even Instagram is becoming much more authentic and less curated than it ever was before, thanks to reels and things like that. And I think, you know, the pandemic really sparked this change of let's be a bit more authentic, because who knows what's going to happen to the world? Do we want to spend the rest of our lives pretending that we're okay or pretending that we're happy with our goals or pretending that we're happy with our job or pretending that we're not struggling in our mental health? Or do we want to look at this and face it head on because we don't know what's going to happen? All that uncertainty really makes you look at your life and think, how can I make it better? I love that. And you have no formal training in any of this stuff, right? You're just like, oh, no, well, well read and um, pulling from your life experience. Well, right. I actually, um, <laughs> Um, during the pandemic, I went to university and got my degree in sociology because I was planning on becoming a teacher. So, okay. so I, a lot of how I see the world and, and view women and our struggles is through a sociological mindset and how yeah. we're socialized to believe things and things like that. But I'm, I'm, I then was like, I'm not going to be a teacher. I'm going to be a content creator a week yeah. before. A week before I was going to get my master's, I'm like, never mind. Hey, man, so, yeah. if you ask any 10-year-old right now what they want to be, a doctor, a lawyer, or a content creator, they want to be a YouTube star and telling right. you. Right, right, exactly. My mom's like, I sometimes like, I don't really understand how to tell people what you do, but I know that, <laughs> that you make you make stuff, like you're a maker of stuff. Right, okay, right. Let's, yeah. talk let's talk about your humor, Libby, and how funny you are. You're a funny chick, man. Thanks. Thanks. I've, I've met you in real life. You came to MomFest, which was so fun. So thank you so much for doing that. But like, you know, you're fun. You're interesting. You're like, you're a cool girl. I mean, I definitely want to sit with you, you know, tell us, tell us about that. Like, are you, were you always funny? Do you have professional acting or just, have you just discovered this like new, new? 
for you? Okay. So I've, I've always been funny. I've always wanted to be funny. My brother was always a funny one. Um, I've always loved sarcasm. I've always loved physical humor. I've always been like the embarrassing friend that like, if you go in public with me, like I'm going to do something that you're going to be embarrassed by. I enjoy it. I feel like it's an icebreaker. It feels authentically me. I would say that I struggled for several years to let that out, especially after becoming a mom, because everybody else in my personal life seems so serious and seems so like, we have to be grownups now. We can't joke about that. We can't dance in that manner. And so joining social media, and I think like the guys of TikTok being like, no one's going to see it. Like your real life isn't going to see it. You can just be you. That really helped me to be completely myself. And for the first time, I felt entirely and completely accepted as my authentic self. That's so as amazing. this like ridiculous, like I dance like a right. ridiculous person and I make ridiculous faces and I do really silly things. And I felt like I really like had to like pretend that wasn't me for a long time. And social media has helped me be like, oh, like people actually like that. Like you are a weirdo, but that's okay. Like you are funny um and you say awkward things that like everyone else is thinking that no one else will say um and that's okay like you're not judged for that and if you are that there you know there's enough of your people that are accepting you that it doesn't matter that other people don't get it and I used to be so concerned about what everyone else thought and now I'm like you know what it's fine that there's people that don't like me because I found the people who do and I and I love that right I'm silly no, it's, I think it's beautiful. And I think that's really interesting and, and relevant. I do think sort of with this sort of advent in the increase of social media celebrity ship, if you will, that that is, that's, that's your truth, right? The, it's so funny. Last night I watched Lizzo. Lizzo has a new show on Pride of okay. Lizzo's Big Girls. And she's looking for backup dancers. And I, I mean, this is what it makes me think of. She's like, the more authentic, the more you show up as yourself, the more the people are going to come. And I find for me, and I'm ask you this, like you show up as yourself, you are 100%, you see what you get. Um, when, w- tell me about content creation now. And let's let's just talk to our, our, our fans and followers who, who are aspiring content creators or, or want to sort of, you know, maybe um, aspire to the level or, or, or rapidness that you have achieved. What is the secret sauce, Libby? Are you just creating content every day, all day? Because I, I see sort of some cadence of some creators are dropping three reels a day. They're doing once a day. Are you finding that, um, is it your quality, edutainment, and um, cadence? Or what do you think is sort of the the secret sauce that has you think, um, outside of the uh, fact that you're a rock star mom who's telling your truth and 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 breaking cycles and, and really bringing value, Um is there something else that you want to give us a tip of the iceberg of how you think you've done what you've done? I love the term edutainment, by the way, I've never heard that. And I'm like, that is a perfect way to describe it. Um, I would say that my secret in the first year was that I had a year saved up worth of content from TikTok that I just reposted. So I could post three reels a day. Mm-hmm. So that is to thank for a lot of my growth and, you know, and in the beginning of my journey, because I just had a lot of videos. So yes, posting a lot, that is a huge thing, you know, staying active, um, and really engaging with my community. You know, I know influencers who have a quarter or less of the followers than I do. And they're like, Oh, I can't even go into my DMS it's too much. Um, and yet, you know, I spend many hours a day responding to DMS and I'm not saying that's the key to it, But replying to comments and engaging with my community and helping them feel seen and see me as a regular person and not just like an 
internet famous person is a part of it, letting people know that, that they're seen. So posting a lot of content, being authentic and really engaging. I couldn't make the amount of content I make if I wasn't making content about stuff that I loved. Right. Right. Like, and so I know a lot of content creators, they pick one niche and they end up growing really well because they only talk about that one thing. And that's great. And I know that I could just pick one thing, but I would get bored with that. So I, like you said, I cover everything from trauma to mental health to being relatable and funny. And it's kind of all over the map, but it's the reason I can make so much content is because I care about everything that I make. If you don't really care and if you're not really passionate about the content that you make, it's going to feel like a chore and you're not going to be able to put that much content out because you're going to spend hours a day going like, what do I make today? Like, what do I do today? Whereas right. I actually don't have enough time in the day for the content I want to make. Like, I, I'd love to make like... That's how more. I feel sometimes. I'm, I, I feel like I don't have enough because I'm also managing, like my kiddos are very young. So I'm managing my my very little kids and I'm like, oh shit, I have an idea. Like, I really want to make a reel right now. Okay, I'm... I'm picturing this song right now to this piece and I have this idea. Right. I don't have enough time right. in the day to actually get through as many. And I also, I've been on TikTok since 2018. So I go back through my content of shit that I posted really early on. And I found for me, and this is like, I mean, you're pale in comparison, but my little strategy was like, sometimes go against the, 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 the grain. Don't always follow every single trend. Don't always look for the exact right. same songs and, 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 and the methodology, I think it's funny to get on, um, and, and to be creative a bit. So, I mean, that's I, sort of my early, early tips. I mean, I, do you have any tips and tricks that you loved or, or, or that you've seen now on TikTok besides sort of that authentic living your best I'm, life, living your truth, go for it. I say like, don't overthink it. So many people, especially when, you know, if you come from like an Instagram background, there's so much like curation and like, how do you make it perfect? And how do you make sure it's going to go viral? And how do you, um, you know, make sure the aesthetic is good and all that stuff. And it's this idea of like, just make something like some of my most viral videos are just me sitting in my car. And I just thought of a quote and I just said it and it took me like 10 seconds and then it went viral, you know, for every one of those, there's probably 50 to hundred that didn't go viral. So keeping that in mind and just making content without overthinking it and spending all this time into like thinking, oh, is it going to be perfect? Just make content and yeah, be, be yourself and be authentic, but don't overthink every single thing you post because volume is going to get you eventually a viral reel. Overthinking it and having it absolutely perfect is generally not the way there. And if you look at my content, if you look over the last two years, there's plenty of videos that bomb. There's yeah. so many videos that bomb and so many posts that bomb. Um, and for, you know, like I said, for every 50 videos that bomb, there's one that goes viral. And then that's where the growth comes. And then people get to know you and they go back and look at your other videos. So just don't overthink it. Make lots of content and don't make it perfect. Tell us about your kids. How old are they? Where are they at? Um, whether they, they are gender if you want to share. They're, yeah they're five and seven my youngest is a boy my oldest is a girl um they are great it is a perfect stage I love this stage I did not love the baby toddler stage even though now I look back I'm like well oh, they were so cute this stage is like where it's at like they're a bit more independent they're hilarious they have good ideas they're they're awesome my daughter is very independent very creative um wants to do things on her own she's getting that little bit of uh 
She wants to do things her way. My son is a very sweet, sensitive little soul. He's not your typical, um, I don't even want to say typical. He's not the prescribed boy. And I hate that whole narrative of like, oh, boys are like this. I'm a boy mom. So my son does X, Y, Z. My son uh, is sweet and sensitive and he loves unicorns and rainbows and Mario and like a variety of things. And I just love that he's different and unique and that, uh, yeah, he's great. So they're great kids. He had a praxia of speech, so he didn't speak till he was three and a half. So we were signing and using picture symbols for many of his first years and it was extremely difficult, but he's now doing much better. So that, yeah, that makes me very grateful for his awesome. development. So yeah. yeah, I hear about that. If let me, let's, let's go here. If, if there's one thing you want somebody to hear today, um, what is the one takeaway you want our fans, followers, friends, and listeners to hear? from you about anything we've discussed today? I would want them to know that whatever it is that they're walking through right now, whether it's something with their children or their trauma or their mental health or their career, that they're not alone. And that somewhere in the world, there are people and probably many people who are walking through the same thing. And that if they wanted to get help, to do that and to share their story with someone because there's incredible healing um, and community that comes from, from being vulnerable and sharing that. I love it. Let's, let's get real ladies. I love that. And I, I do agree. Instagram is a dawn of a new day and that the, the real juice, everyone's drinking the juice to telling the truth. So um, <laughs> I want to ask you this. Is there one TikTok that you remember seeing that changed you? Cause I have some that like I've watched early on that changed me. Was there anything that really like, you can pinpoint like, oh, that was like a game changing one, one creator or one moment. And I'll share mine. Maybe that will inspire you. But right, my son was um, NG fed. It means he drank through a tube through his nose because he had paralyzed vocal cord. And there's a young girl on TikTok who is a teenager with who is NG fed. And she would do lives all the time talking about what it's like to be an NG tube person. Um, and it was the first time I'd ever seen that. And I just became like obsessed with her content being like, I want to know, does it hurt you? Are you, are you happy? Are you, you know, and she explained these things and watching her do lives and changing her NG tube. I was like, oh my God, like at that time, I didn't know, I didn't see an end in sight for my son's NG tube. So I was like, okay, he'll be like a happy, well-formed, adjusted kiddo with this like thing that he, you know, that it's just part of his life potentially, right? So to me, that's what TikTok was. It was just like seeing and experiencing different bodies, ableism, race, religions, truths, especially your young truths that are sometimes a little scary to watch and hear. Was there one TikTok or something like that that really changed you? There's been a lot of TikToks that have inspired my motherhood, but there's one that came out in the last few months that really touched me in terms of my career and my content creation. And it was of a young girl that said something like, you know, what if people cringe? You know, if you make a video, what if people cringe? She's like, let them fucking cringe. It's a singular moment in time that passes. And she went on to talk about how, like, who cares if people cringe? Make the content, start the business, do the thing you want to do. And who cares what anybody else thinks? Because you have one life to live and you might as well do it being who you want to be. And that not only applies to your, my career, but to my motherhood, right? Like who cares if someone doesn't agree with what you're doing, you know, what's best for your kid, you know, what's best for your family. So just let people cringe, let people have opinions. 
do you do you. You do you. I love that. Amazing takeaway today. Libby, if somebody wants to find you or follow you, why don't you drop your coordinates? Would you mind, please? Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Diary of an Honest Mom on TikTok and Instagram. And same for my website, www.diaryofanhonestmom.com. I love that, Libby. I wish you so much luck in this journey. I cannot wait to see what else comes from you. I can't wait to sort of, my kiddos are sort of the same age and stage as you. And I just can't wait to see where you go in this catapult that you're on and, and whatever's next for you. I'm here for it. So thank you so much for coming, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great one. Bye, Libby. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mom Halo podcast, I'd love your support by sharing it with others, posting about us on social, or leaving a really good rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at the Mom Halo. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Sick Kids is helping redefine what's possible in pediatrics. Also, children can lead healthier, happier lives. In 2021, Project Halo raised over $150,000 to help build a new sick kids designed to better serve patients and families. This will include spaces devoted to parents and caregivers, spaces to feel calm, relief, and rest. We are calling on our community again this year to join us in helping build a state-of-the-art hospital. Together, there are no limits to what we can achieve. To learn more and to donate, go to fundraise.sickkidsfoundation.com backslash Project Mom Halo. Thank you for your generosity and support.